Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Oh, I'm Danny Kelly. I'm Andy Jacobs. And this is the... Jacobs and Kelly, or Kelly and Jacobs. Podcast special is going to be very, very good indeed. <laughs> Had some great guests today, including the legendary Jim Rosenthal, talking about the birth of live football on television. That was very interesting. And we had Sinjin Burkett for his annual appearance. He's the chairman of the World Conquer Championships. And much else besides, including some classic bits from Andy. It's a belter. Don't miss it. <laughs> And Jacobs, in which the Jacobs part is happily restored, and he's been Hello. away for a couple of years. Look, you look very healthy and happy, and it oh, was good. good indeed. I'm Danny <laughs> Kelly. Look, he's slightly more pasty, a little bit more podgy, <laughs> I guess it's fair to say. And um, we hopefully we'll bring you some great entertainment over the next three hours. We've got great guests for you. John Cross is being me, coming in. He'll help us go through all the Premier League um, matches, and of course, quite apart from the controversy about. One disallowed goal. It was an amazing weekend of football mm. in the Premier League. Big teams beaten, teams getting their first ever win in the Premier League, completely ignored now because of what's gone on in North London. We'll talk about the rugby, we'll talk about the golf, and much else beside. Andy Brassell will come in, our European football expert, and help us look forward to a lashings of Champions League and Europa League and Europa Conference League coming up. Welcome aboard. I'm looking forward to the next three hours. I hope you'll be here for summer or the ride. He's Andy Jacobs. I'm Danny Kelly. You are the listening millions. We outrank you. <laughs> I'll tell you, talking about uh, the decision... Hi, Becky, we... as well, for a glass. forgot to say oh, that. Yeah, Becky, yeah. there she is. All those VAR problems made me really nostalgic for the good old days. Of Mike Riley. Oh, Andy! <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's got worse under Howard Webb. I can't believe it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's to do with, let's have a quick decision. It's got to be a quick decision. You think, well, how about an right accurate decision? Right, right decision, decision. that would be a better idea, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, there are all kinds of um, victims in this. Um, I must, I mean, obviously, I've got to play my own victim card here. The VAR has already, for the price of a 2% increase in correct decisions from 90 to 92, whatever it is, yeah. has robbed us all of the possibility of celebrating a goal when our team goes in. You've got to look for the ball across the line, then you've got to look to the linesman, then mm. you've got to look at everybody else, what are they appealing for, was there a handball in the move, was there a foul in the previous part of the mood, yeah. and, and all the rest of it. Now, I can't even celebrate an important win after six years of not beating Liverpool 
because the, the 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 sword of Damocles or a replay or some other such nonsense is hanging over my head. I can't even leave the stadium and celebrate. It's what? a difficult. I mean, people calling for VAR to go. I'm not sure that's right. It's it's just got to be administered properly. I mean, the, in the women's game I watched yesterday, Chelsea against Spurs. The ball was about two feet over the line, but they don't have goal line technology, so that didn't count. And there's no replay, so I'm not sure that's better. Just get it right. It seems yeah. Henry Winter says it works in Europe, it worked in the World Cup. Why doesn't it work here? That's the problem. Um, and, and that idea that I had about if Howard Webb calls you after the match, you get an extra point. I'm starting to think they're going to have to do this because it's ridiculous. But then every manager will spend eight hours Saturday and Sunday mm. evening complaining to whatever media uh, platform will listen to him in order to try and get Howard to pick the phone up, shut him up. Mm, maybe. I mean, Steve Cooper, they, they, these managers, these disingenuous managers, and of course he's not the only one, they all do it, but they need to be much more honest. I mean, there he was railing about the sending off yesterday of his player, but completely ignored the fact that Brentford could have had definitely one penalty and possibly three you know, I mean, really, honestly, I mean, the, the foul by Turner on Visser was a penalty. It's a penalty any day. How far didn't look at that? I've no idea. And, but, and, you know, and, he didn't say anything about that. And listen, even Liverpool Football Club, and I, I totally understand their frustration and anger. I really do. Why wouldn't I? Remember the Champions League final? Mm. Why wouldn't I remember, uh, know how they feel about this? But the club has to be careful, too. Um uh, exploring the other options thing is one thing but talking about the integrity behind that seems to be a suggestion that there's something mm. other than incompetence going on here and I don't know whether that fires up even further the tiny minority of Liverpool fans who have been behaving terribly on on social media Dustin O'Doggy, who did not make the decision it was the referee that made the decision the racism aimed at him not acceptable no, it's tiny proportion most Liverpool fans I know are Angry, frustrated, but good as gold. You know, I mean, even Anthony, I've got but to say they, this, uh, you know, anti- anti-Semitic comments about about Spurs because they had nothing to do with the officiating. There were two things going on there. A football match between Liverpool and Spurs and the officiating, which ruined the first thing, let's be honest. Um, but it was a good game, though. I mean, it didn't... It, oh, it was an exciting game. You know, really. the it's thing is, mad. I mean, if Liverpool fans were really honest, and, and this is every team, you get sawn off, you know, and, and yep. you know, and you get benefit of decisions. Chelsea fans are still complaining about the Lukaku goal in the Carabao Cup that was ruled yep. offside, you know, that wasn't offside. So, you know, that these things happen. What goes around comes around. You just have to accept it. None of us like it. And, it's really, really annoying. But and the you can't be replaying Twitter, the games. I don't know whether he sent it to me directly or it's passed on to me. 64 little photographs of apparent moments in games over the past five mm. years where Liverpool didn't get the free kick, the penalty, or the decision they wanted. I accept that as, as hard evidence, mm. provided you provide it for me for every single other club. Otherwise, you just mm. look like a completely and the decisions partisan they did fanatic. Get. Let's have the ones they did get. Yeah. I mean, I do agree one thing. I hate that still image shown to the referee. I think Absolutely. that's so misleading. It's so wrong. That well, the it looks ref- like that's just the VAR saying, look, we're right about this already. Yeah, look, yeah. we're right. You've got, yeah. no, you've no, got no, to agree with us. Show him the whole incident, then do that. Then he can make his own way. If you do that and you're putting him on the spot, you're saying to him, you're wrong. Look, you're wrong. And that's not right. We all know still image looks different to the moving image. And again, because Gary Neville, carry, his voice carries so much influence in the commentary, because he said it wasn't, in his opinion, a red card, yeah. that becomes everyone's given view then. I'm not so sure. There was, there was plenty for the referee to look at there if mm. he wanted to give a card. Um, Andy, if I might move on to it, because John Cross will talk to us more about this. 
Let's talk about something else I think perhaps of equal importance and certainly as controversial. Um, you've been away for a little while. Mm. Have you heard the show in the last week? Uh, only in the one I was on on Tuesday. Okay, good. Yeah. You didn't hear Monday's show? No. Well, you know what happens on Monday. Normally I come on from my Erie in Ireland and mm. we talk about the games and then we put someone or something in a barrel. It's obvious what's going to happen this week, yeah? yeah, yeah. What about last week's barrel? Who was it? You. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know why. I, now, I mean, honestly, I thought it was really cruel of Paul. You're away for one day, one day in a lifetime, in a career, and straight away cannot wait to put you into the barrel. What? You got, put into well, the barrel. wasn't there, wasn't it? No, that was the reason. Because Chelsea and Brentford both can't get a win, and it seems to be you're always there when they can't win. And you, I'm the great Jonah. Andy Jacobs, a wonderful man, a broadcasting legend, oh, really? the kind of person you'd want me, you're down the sushi bar, and this is what happens, stuck in a barrel. And also, I said to, I said to Paul... He's not in the first flush of youth. You can't just shove him in the barrel. That ain't going to work for him, is it? And in the end, we were he was doing a terrible impression of you, talking out through the hole in the barrel. Uh, Paul, let me out. Oh, no, that was me who was doing that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you were in the barrel, my son. Well, that's the way it goes. I was thinking of volunteering. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's like absolutely in Sue shot inside. He's crying. No, absolutely I'm fine. Weeping. I'm not going, oh, he wouldn't fit in the barrel. I, I was <laughs> thinking uh, tomorrow that if Chelsea lose tonight, that I ought to make myself available. Because apparently, to play. People, people were, yeah, you're right. People were gutted that I wasn't here. Although I didn't rant about it when I did come on oh, on Tuesday. Andy, if you, I thought uh, Chelsea played quite well against Villa. I did thought they were a bit unlucky. Actually, you literally so. can't. Uh, you cannot guess the amount of tweets and emails mm. and, we, we, uh, and texts that we received saying. Oh no, and he's not on. But it's, it's become, Schadenfreude. That's what. It is. But it's they also see, become, they would like to see me suffer. There are very few examples left in this world of, of appointment radio, and you get coming off your off your well these days medium run um, <laughs> at Chelsea studs up is absolutely <laughs> yeah. part, part of the nation's experience yeah, of football no, it's now. Bad, isn't it? What can you do? Um, talking about people on hindsight, this is brilliant, isn't it? Uh, this letter to the Sun this morning it says, "I don't blame Victoria Beckham for being irate over fans' vile football chants about husband Dave." David. It's time these jobs were banned from football matches. You think, a bit late, isn't it? 1990, I think the statute of limitations may have run out but on that one. equally, Victoria, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about what I said about, about the husband. It's you that used to get the vile abuse. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, I should try and... There were some guys behind me at Spurs who were always trying to get this thing going about um, the personal habits of Victoria Beckham. And, right. you know, you turn around and you say, well, shut up. What, what, uh, they, they mentioned I'm not even playing here. It'd be another game. Right. Um, and they would... Uh, they would Tell me with beery breath to back off, Buster, um, which I never did, which is okay too. <laughs> Listen, we've got a lot to get through today. The, I mean, it was an, the, mm. the whole goings-on at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium have overshadowed an amazing win for Aston Villa, a fantastic victory for Wolves. Um, Palace going to Manchester United mm. and winning, and Luton getting their first ever win in the Premier League. All fantastic stories, all under the ash cloud of the volcano at Spurs. Mm. We will try and give them due prominence here on Hawksby and Jacobs, Danny Kelly and Andy Jacobs, in the next few minutes. So you're listening to Talk Sport. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. <laughs> As I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted. <laughs> no, it's a special anniversary today. Uh, we're so used to live football now on telly. But uh, 40 years ago today, uh, it was the first ever live, wasn't even Premier League, it was a Division One game. Uh, it was on ITV. Uh, it was Tottenham 2, Forest 1. Go Commentator, the late, great Brian Moore. Co-commentator, the late, great Ian St. John. And then studio analyst, of course, great Jimmy Greaves. But the presenter 
I'm happy to say, still with us. Delighted. Delighted to say he's still with us, was Jim Rosenthal. So we thought we'd get him on and ask him about his memories from that day. Hello, Jim. Well, hi, Andy. Uh, Hi, Danny. Um, Very, very nice of you to uh, remind me of that particular anniversary. I mean... It was fantastic, wasn't it, really, that ITV gave a 16-year-old the chance to present a 14... <laughs> Remarkable. It wouldn't happen before. now, Jim. It wouldn't happen now. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, it was absolutely, absolutely astonishing. But, um, yeah, no, listen, and, and, until your man Ruben uh, got in touch with me not so long ago, I didn't realise it was 40 years ago today that uh, I said hello and welcome uh, to White Hart Lane for that particular game. I, I, there are a couple of instances that jumped straight to my mind. There was a wonderful director called Bob Gardham, who worked at ITV, who actually got them uh, uh, going back a few years when Bob Stokoe sprinted across the, the pitch at Wembley, got that memorable <clears> sequence <throat> at the end of the FA Cup final. And he was the man in my ear, and there was a lot of tension around that day, and I was just getting counted down by, by the PA, 10, 9, 8, and he came on at 8, and he said, Rosie, don't worry about a thing, old chap. There's only 9 million out there watching you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Really, really helpful. I mean, Which is why I, well, I was giggling when I said hello, uh, good afternoon, and welcome to this historic occasion at White Hart Lane. Jim, um, nowadays, of course, it's such a slick operation, um, huge studios, masses of money spent on spinning <laughs> graphics. All the rest. I take it was just like that 40 years ago, yes? Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, you could not see the joint, to, to, to be quite <laughs> honest. It was, it was totally the same. Listen, the product today is completely different, and uh, I'm very happy to say vastly superior. The technical product, the product of the camera, the product what everybody sees at home, it has raced on uh, technically in those 40 years. But I also think that actually the... The role of the the pundits and the presenters should be unchanged. That to you you should um, welcome people, really like you welcome them in, into your house and through the game. You should be able to pick out the salient moments and have and have a view on them. And, and thankfully, I had alongside me, as you mentioned, Jimmy Greaves. And by the way, gents, what would any television company give for an expert like Jimmy today? Mm-hmm. Someone who'd been there and done it, unquestionable credentials. A brilliant communicator who also, by the way, saw this game as a bit of fun as yep, well. Yeah, he liked to laugh, yeah. He was, and he was a very funny man, and uh, we all know Ian St John with him was great. But yes. Brian Moore, I mean, he's much missed. He was a wonderful commentator. Yes, I mean, I, I, I would agree with a lot of people ask me, um, who, who's the best, who do you think the best? And I, I would always put Brian top of my particular tree. I might be biased in that I've worked alongside, alongside him quite a lot. But I think he was he he could um, had that excitement, had that boyish excitement, and and also could translate that. Had a love of the game as well, and had an ability to find the right words at uh, at the right time. Uh, vis a vis Arsenal, Anfield, Mickey Thomas. It's all up for grabs now. That's what singles out great commentators really from from from, from average ones. There was a little line on the day, by the way. You talk about. The, the build-up and things like that. Brian Clough at Nottingham Forest has spent the whole week saying, and I won't bother to do the imitation, I'm not going to come to Tottenham. No one's interrupting my Sunday dinner. I'm going to stay at home and Nottingham, the team can go on their own. <laughs> so is, is Cloughy here or isn't he here? And of course, of course he was. Of course yeah. he turned up. He, he, he did turn up. Can you remember how it all came about? Because we had highlights, didn't we? We had Match of the Day and I think even yeah. ITV did it. Was there a sort of resistance to doing live football oh absolutely i know absolutely and 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 some really really wise judges said this will kill the game 
live television will kill football. Nobody will want to go to the grounds now. Mm. And, and, and I think we actually had to agree of level of compensation if the, the gate fell below, fell below the, the, the average gate when television was there. And uh, I won't name the club in particular, but that was disbanded when a, a London club had a complete sellout with people crawling all over the walls to watch the visit of Manchester United and said, oh, we had 16,500 people but in here. Jim, Jim, the truth is the opposite. Far from killing the game, the game in the early 80s, as I remember it, there was tiny crowds because of crowd trouble, yeah. dilapidated grounds, terrible pitches, poor facilities for people. It was Absolutely. televised football that reminded people how great the game was. You could argue, far from killing it, it actually saved English football. Spot on. It, it was not a fashionable place to be, football, in the 80s. And uh, um, that all changed after Italian 90, in my sure, view. But if, sure. if you opined you were a football fan in those days... Uh, people cross the road to avoid you in, in certain circles. Well, that might be just you, Jim, to be fair. <laughs> it probably was. It probably was, yeah. But uh, but these days, if you haven't got a team, you're nobody. So it, it has gone the full somersault, hasn't it? And I think, I think I mean, those, we just look at the TV football on now. I think that initial deal, you know, BBC and ITV, five league games each season. And I think there was some industrial trouble at the BBC, which meant they only had four. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. I mean, and Jim, of course, we're hearing you talking about it with great joy. Um, yes. For you, of course, it was it was just your working life. You could not have been um, aware of what you were setting off because, as I say, I think it helped football to recover from the dark days of the yeah. 70s and 80s. Um, and now, live football, as you've been hearing in the discussions all day about the VAR decision at Spurs, yeah. I mean, live football is central to the national debate every Monday. Um, uh, you, but you can't, of course, you probably can't see how important you were. <laughs> well, uh, I, I never have been able to see that, if, if I'm very, very honest with, with you, Danny. But yeah, who would have thought that uh, on that October day uh, back in, in 1983 that, uh, that we were kicking off something as, as remarkable as it's ended up now? And, um, and, and f football without live television, absolutely unthinkable then. It was... Uh, it was a whole new ball game, I think we called it back in, back in 1983, and it was it was a really good opening game, by the way. Um, and there's a, a little thing that happened because I did a crash course and a bit of research after getting the call that I had to speak to That's you. That's why you're the Rosenthal. Yes, I was. I was that uh, there was a fellow called Alan Brazil who played for an hour, and 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 Jimmy said he didn't think he was fit. <laughs> and then, so nothing changes and, and, Alan, and Alan came off a fellow called Gary Brook who I'm sure you'll remember down yeah, he, went, he went down the right wing and laid on uh, both the goals uh, uh, one for Gary Stevens a header and one, one for Steve Archibald and um, this you know this after Colin Walsh had scored first for Forrest put, put through by Viv Anderson so it was 2-1 and I think I said at the end of it, well, you know, if, if that's live TV football, let's have a bit more of it. And crikey, we have had a bit more of it over the subsequent 40 years, haven't we? We have. Thanks, Jim, so much. That's great. It's a good Fabulous. looking back. Good to talk to you. Always enjoy the show. Go Absolutely. well. Absolutely. The, the lovely Jim Rosenthal there, unable to see, of course, just how important he and those words, welcome to White Hart Lane, etc., were. And as I said, we... We have almost got no conversation left in this country unless you've seen all the football live at the weekend and listen to it on the radio. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Reading the papers this morning, I see that uh, Wayne Rooney was so engrossed in wife Colleen's Wagatha trial that he had thoughts of becoming a barrister. Oh. The idea of Wayne being called to the bar would definitely have a different type of meaning Yeah, but absolutely. <laughs> although although you, you turn up at court, I don't know whether you'd be so pleased or so unpleased to see Wayne Rooney representing you. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be too happy about it. And um, the Beckhams, yes, they're in the news. There's going to be a big documentary this weekend, which is quite interesting. And uh, David was pictured in Paris. He does. <laughs> I've never seen anybody... He's basically got two suitcases, like a mini suitcase that he's yeah. got over his shoulder. And then a sort of handheld suitcase. He does things. But not as bad as Avram Glazer, who basically... Oh, pushes I'm just seeing it, don't make me. <laughs> he pushes his little white doggy around in a pram. Yes, yeah, he's got a pram for his dog. That's Brilliant. very, very good indeed. It was the World Firework Championships at Black, Blackpool, not Blackburn. Yeah. Not that it would make any difference. Well, you're not having a pop at Blackburn now, are <laughs> no, you? No, Blackpool. And interestingly They already enough, got walloped by Leicester this week. They don't need you starting. I've, I've lost the bit of paper that I had, but apparently I, I think Switzerland won it and they beat India and Spain. Which is quite... You'd think, you'd think Britain makes quite good fireworks. you think we'd have been there. And, and also, how do they judge it? Yeah. I mean, I can see India. I can see why India might be a world power at fireworks. So, uh, anyone who's seen the sort of displays they put on Diwali at their local temple—that's true. Um, they really, it really is something. Do you think we would have done? Uh, we've been suppressed by the fact that it really that you're not allowed to let off private fireworks anymore. Really, are you? They, they, they frown on it. Yeah. We used to be a great nation of individual firework destructors, didn't we? Absolutely. Uh, and not anymore. No, no, and of course, all, you know, it's displays, the, the days, the, the lovely days when children would put them through your letterbox, they're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. And uh, Patrick from Hang Oxford. Hang on, sorry, just remind me. Oh, yeah. Why, Pat, wouldn't we have to be represented by Balotelli? Didn't he set the fireworks off in his bathroom when he was at Manchester City? <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> really? The fire brigade were called. Were they indoor fireworks? Or they were they? not. They were, oh, right. they were the Brock's outdoor variety, <laughs> and he set his bathroom on fire. Not a great idea, really. 
<clears throat> and uh, Patrick from Oxford wrote to the star about, uh, he said, I watched The Wheel on Saturday. It's Michael McIntyre's game show. Weird game show, yeah. I quite like it. I think it's unfair that in the final, the same contestant can come back repeatedly three times, which is not right for the other contestants. And he got the questions wrong twice and he still won the money. I was thinking, do you want to get VAR involved, mate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the big talking point of the weekend, I'm afraid not. That's the one where they go around in what appear to be fairground, <clears throat> fairground yeah. chairs, yeah? Oh, he's very good, though. Oh, well, yeah, he knows how to face a TV camera. Give credit where it's due. Um, have you, have you, have you exhausted your, your no. fund? Oh no, no. I need to clear my throat there before I get. Into get some story. water for this fella, please. <laughs> look through the door. Mm -hmm. Look through the glass there. Fourteen mm -hmm. asymmetrically haircutted <laughs> teenagers, <laughs> flunkies. Every one of them a flunky. Yeah, yeah. Fully paid up flunky members. Not one glass of water for a veteran broadcaster. No, there's no water in the, the kitchen. Well, no. then this is, these are not no, safe No, no, I'm fine now. I just needed to clear my throat. It's absolutely fine. It was the... F uh, no, I've done that. It was... Uh, I was reading the story. It's an amazing so story. you're lacking water. Your mind is no, going... No, it's fine. Hey, show me that thing on your phone. Tell us about that. Oh, no, no. I want to talk about AI, because oh. I want to talk about this guy that's got this site on Twitter and YouTube. He's basically recreated oh. the voice of the late, great James Alexander Gordon, and he's got him to... Using AI... His name's Tim Huckle. And I listened to this, and basically, he's managed to make James Alexander Gordon, the late James Alexander Gordon, read this weekend's results. And apparently his wife's quite happy about it, which is nice. And uh, But it is a bit weird. It does. It's that thing you said, you, you just can't believe anything that you hear. No. Do you want to hear it? Can we play it? Have we got it? I didn't think... We can't well, get it. Oh, uh, right. I, oh, I, yeah, when somebody's gone and got the water, then somebody will go, try and get together the thing we're actually talking about, yeah? And I love these people who write in hindsight. This is one of the most brilliant hindsight... And sorry, sorry, I must confess here. Okay. The late, great James Alexander Gordon, he walked with a limp. I worked with him at the mm. BBC. Mm. And um, I, I remember when I was editing one of the music magazines, I sent the late, great David Kavanagh to interview him. And for some reason, I got into my head to tell David, to make sure you ask how he lost his leg. And, of course, he hadn't lost his leg. He just had a limp. <laughs> so when David asked the question, James, well, that, that, that's a story for the pub, I think, what went on next. <laughs> no, that's not good. <laughs> I'm a bad man. I'm a bad man. Uh, this is a great letter in hindsight by Raymond Bostock. He wrote to The Sun this morning. And we're all upset about this story. It's the, uh, the Sycamore Gap tree. Terrible. Terrible story. After reading about the disgraceful chopping down of the Sycamore Gap tree, I've heard that a fresh sapling has been planted. But I think the first tree should have been better protected in the first place. I mean, who, Thanks, knew, that, who knew that was going to happen? I mean, it's been there for hundreds of years, never been a problem. Not a bother on it, as we say. <laughs> oh, there should have been a fence it. around it. Yeah, of course. Just who knew? Incredible. Brilliant. And, and, and on your phone there, you've got a piece of film from the game oh, in, the, in, a... in League 1. I'm amazed that Andy Brassel didn't mention this. This is the... Uh, Andy can hardly bear to talk about French football because of Lyon. Was it in the Nantes mascot was attacked by the... Wren, I think they were Wren, playing. Yeah. yeah, and he basically had to be carried off. And it can... Yeah. I think the, the thing is that when people wear mascot suits, we saw this once, I think, when United oh, won the league. serious point about mascots? Here no, no, go. because you always think they're in... Dis you know, nothing can happen to them because they've got this big suit on. But actually, people can get injured. And I remember, was it... I think United celebrating a... A title win, and and the red Fred Red or whatever his name yeah, is Fred the, the Red Fred the Red, he got attacked. I think he got hurt. So you know yeah. it can happen. Meanwhile, in that game, um, Ren were uh, the better team, and they were mm. they were winning two one. And Nantes were down to uh, ten men, and they had one great chance. I was watching the game while I was broadcasting Trans Europe Express last night. They had one brilliant chance to equalise very late in the game. 
but I knew they weren't going to equalise because the chance fell to Musa Sissoko. Let's be fair, Musa has many fine qualities, finishing not first among them. Now, you told us about the great late James Alexander Gordon, his voice being impersonated by artificial intelligence, and when you hear what we're about to play now, you may never trust your own ears again. Even when you hear my voice, you'll say, surely that is the voice of a much more high-paid presenter. Premier League. Aston Villa 6, Brighton and Hoverbian 1. Bournemouth 0, Arsenal 4. Amazing. Everton 1, Luton Town 2. How did you lose your leg? Manchester United 0, <laughs> Crystal Palace 1. I mean, Newcastle that... United 2, Burnley 0. We've got to wait for the draw. We've got the draw. Tottenham Hotspur against Liverpool. Late kickoff. West Ham United 2, Sheffield United 0. Wolverhampton Wanderers 2, Manchester City 1. Could have sounded a bit more The surprised. EFL Championship. <laughs> Bristol City 2, Stoke City 3. Cardiff City 2, Rotherham United 0. Here comes the draw, I think. Huddersfield Town 1, Ipswich Town 1. Work Excellent. of art. You've got to hand it to The way he did that, he invented a whole <laughs> Tim new Huckle. language. Brilliant. And, and, and oh, made, yeah. yeah. Tim was boy, boy, just fantastic. No, brilliant stuff. And after that, um, Panjandrum, a rotating Panjandrum and kaleidoscope of entertainment. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, the World Conquer Championships are in, I hope I got the name of it, I'm pronouncing this correctly, could be Southwick, could be Southwick, could be, is it Northamptonshire? Um, and the organiser is Sinjin Burkett. Good afternoon, Sinjin. Afternoon. First of all, let me say that you are a man after my own heart. I love a hat. And uh, for the uh, viewers uh, who are watching on the radio, you're wearing a bowler hat with a string of conkers as a band. <laughs> and I'm, unless I'm very much mistaken, you're also wearing a conker necklace as well. Devotion uh, to the cause, my friend. Uh, yeah, and of course, I always keep um, a conker on my desk to play with. Sure, of course sure. You do. Now, we, we often get you on at this time of year, and we always admire your wonderful PR effort of getting stories into. It's usually a, a shortage of conkers, but this yeah. year it's not a shortage. It's the quality of the conker in terms of it them is. being too soft to play with. It is. We've had such odd weather, haven't we, over the year? And um, when we did our uh, a survey of conkers at the committee meeting last week, we were a bit worried about the, the mushiness of a lot of them. A lot have fallen in the storms. And they've fallen too early, uh, and uh, they're white. We need them. We need them brown. We need them firm. We need them a reasonable size. Uh, and the best that can be said about any of them really was that they were average. Uh, we need larger ones, especially for the older players, because of course they can't hit the smaller ones. They can't see them well enough, and their aim isn't what it once was. So when we've got these mushy conkers, we we do have a few people who enjoy a really you know good game, hard hitting. But if they're going to hard hit with these, there's a big chance they're going to they're going to split them first time. What's the organisation's stance on the traditional schoolboy remedy for your mushy conker, mm. which is to bung it in the oven? Yeah, bung them in the oven. Yeah, well, we might we might have to resort to that. We collect about three thousand, so we're going to need a few ovens. Um, we might just need to harden them up a little bit so that they're playable. We we allow five minutes a match, uh, and that's that. We hope that's a maximum. We have a penalty shootout after that. But we're not going to get anywhere near the five minutes. The game, the whole tournament could be over in, in a matter of uh, an hour or so. Just a, lo not... a load of old fellas stood around with limp strings, yeah? <laughs> well, not just fellas. Oh, sorry. But, uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yes. That was a sexist interpretation <laughs> of the world of, of Congress. Really? You've got women competitors, have you? 
lot about women for years, as it were, if you don't mind me saying it in that form. But um, yes, the, the, when we go right back to 1965, the program lists everybody as Mr. Yes. So Mr. Smith, Mr. Jones. And it was a few years up, right up into the 80s before we were up to the Mrs.'s as well. And uh, then we moved on in mid 80s to, to first names as well. So we are, you know, advancing with the times and um, we now have more than just male and female on our entry form. So it's a chance for everybody to take part and we, we look forward to everybody coming along. Well, one particular gentleman who's quoted in the paper this morning, he's not happy about it though. He says, baking conkers in the oven just wouldn't be right. It's nuts. Yeah. The sport yeah, is in crisis, he says. Absolute crisis, yeah. Yeah, we, we we hope each year we don't end up with a crisis, but of course our biggest crisis was way back in 1976, the year before the really hot year, when there weren't enough conkers and we had to import them from Germany. So to play with foreign conkers, that was a crisis. So we're hoping we don't have to resort to anything like that. The trouble is, of Plus course... Plus the right... post-Brexit complications of getting them from Germany now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we'd have to rely on the RAF again. Now, you know, our good friends in the RAF who managed to get some across to us before. Um, so we're just hoping we're not going to end up with that crisis. We're going out collecting over the next couple of days, and we are hoping that the last few conkers haven't been brought down by this storm that's just passed us by the last couple of days, and that we've got enough of good size and good sh well, shapes, the other thing. One of the oh, other things, oh, you know, of course. Yeah. You know, if you've got two conkers in 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 a, um, the shell, you get flat sides. You can't play with a conker with a flat side. They've got to be Isn't spherical. Isn't a cheese cutter? Do you remember those? Now, what oh. was a cheese cutter on his own? Oh, yeah, that's one with a sharp edge. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the That's what he's a... suggesting, yeah. yeah. And, Sinjin, whenever we're talking to an expert before these big tournaments in any sport, I always say... Uh, who's the favourite? And give us a couple of runners and riders to look out for. Well, Fee Aylmore won it for uh, last year. Um, it was said she might be a ringer because King Conquer is her dad. But as she points out, she's been trying for 35 years to win it. And finally, she's got there. Um, the, the Last year's winner, Randy Topolnitsky. Now, he's from Canada. We're not sure whether he can get across to play this year, but he would be another another good well, one. Well, sure, he'd be here. He'd already be here acclimatising, <laughs> wouldn't he? Well, you would hope so. You would hope he'd give himself a week or two acclimatisation, a bit of practice. But yeah, he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to come here undercooked like the like the Ryder Cup team from the USA. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Yeah, knocked out in the first round. Yeah. No, uh, what we're hoping it comes on Jasmine Tetley. Now she's won a couple of times in the past. She's been the grand champion because we have grand champions. We have, we have men against, well, we have a male and female competition. Probably you should say female and open competitions now. And the two winners of those two competitions play each other in the final. In the earlier rounds, everybody plays everybody as well. It's not split out. Uh, and we've had roughly equal numbers of winners from both. Well, so, it's, it's a pleasure. I hope you can get past the conquer crisis, the yeah. annual conquer crisis, which uh, luckily for you makes the newspapers and therefore this show. Um, good luck for the, I think it's about four and a half weeks the tournament takes, to St John Burkett, organiser of the World Conquer Championship. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, thanks, Dan. It was very good of you to uh, step in for me and Paul. It's always very enjoyable. I, I, funny, I found it. I said, Paul's job is so easy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but not. Why are you laughing? I mean, it's absolutely true. Listen to the podcast. Andy does all the heavy lifting. It's <laughs> not true. <laughs> You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.